Well, I want to say uh, to the men, we've got a, over 150 guys showing up here Saturday morning. And what are we coming for? The Beast Feast. And I got somebody bringing elk, somebody bringing venison, somebody bringing, they told me, rattlesnake. I'm not eating any rattlesnake. Buffalo. Uh, it's going to be great. Charles Martin is a wonderful, wonderful um, preacher. He'll preach you to your feet. If you're not saved, you'll get saved. And we're looking forward to it, guys. If you haven't signed up yet, do it right out there. As soon as church is over, it's not too late. Five bucks. You couldn't eat for five bucks hardly at IHOP. Much less exotic beast meat. All right. And good old regular bacon. We want to get that cholesterol way up for you. Way up. All right. We're going to go through Mark tonight. I want to share something with you um, that God has just put on my heart out of Mark. We've been going through the book of Mark, and I'm going to do my best to get through this. My voice is better. It's better than it was Sunday. Uh, but how many of you have seen that with this thing, you just ride it out? Isn't that right? But a lot of people are out with it, but uh, I am healed, getting better. And so we're going to teach tonight. And uh, how many of you appreciated David Shibley Sunday morning? Didn't he do a great job? <clears throat> He's a good guy. He's a good friend of mine, has been for a long time. Um, really sharp individual. And I appreciate him so much. I appreciate him coming. All right. Let's go to Mark, and I want to talk to you tonight about the woman with an issue. How many of you have ever had an issue? You know what I mean? The woman with an issue had an issue. Now, let's read about her, and then we'll get right down into the message tonight. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years, think about that, with constant bleeding. She was hemorrhaging. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but had gotten no better. In fact, she'd even gotten worse after spending all of her money. That's why they call it practicing medicine. <laughs> she had heard about Jesus. Now, what does that say again? She had heard about Jesus. You ought to underline that. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she, what, everybody, thought to herself. So she had a conversation with herself. She talked to herself. And what did she tell herself? If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. It's amazing the power of what you say to yourself. And you converse with you more than you do any person on earth every day. Okay? Let's look now. Everybody say the next word with me. There's Mark and that special word immediately. The bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power Wow, isn't that something? Power, tangible power had flowed out from him. 
So he turned around in the crowd and asked what seemed like a crazy question. Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask? Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, read it with me, everyone. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Give us ears to hear. And I pray, Lord, that people with an issue would be healed tonight and restored tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, perk up and listen, you need this tonight. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach this whole time with Tic Tacs in my mouth. If one of them shoots out, I told you beforehand. I was, I've told you this before. I was teaching one time, preaching really, and I forgot that I had one in my mouth. And I made a point, and it came shooting out like out of a pea shooter. And I caught that thing in midair and put it right back in. Everybody went, ooh, he really is anointed. <clears throat> this story is so powerful because here's a woman with an issue of blood, a hemorrhaging issue. Uh, no doubt, if I can just be a little delicate here, a, a female problem. 12 years hemorrhaging. And the Bible says that she went to doctor after doctor. No doctor helped her, spent all of her money. And after spending all of her money, she only got worse. I don't know if you've ever spent money to get better on some, at something, to recover from something, only to get worse and watch your money go down the drain. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. She finally finds herself in total poverty, getting worse, no money. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I can absolutely ascertain this that if somebody is hemorrhaging for 12 years, we know it weakened her. We know it depleted her. We know that the sense of, of energy that you have when you're healthy was gone because she's hemorrhaging chronically for 12 years. On top of that, it had to have robbed her of her joy. She couldn't have had any joy. Here she is watching her life ebb away, all of her savings gone, I'm going to guess also that because she's got this, this hemorrhaging problem, she was declared ceremonially unclean. That's what they did in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. If you had this problem as a woman, you were declared ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. So there was a, an ostracism that went with this. People were not close to her. She was on the outside looking in. She's watching not only her body waste away, but her whole social life is draining. So that 
when you're fighting something like this, what you really need is you need a friend. You need a social life. But in those days, you were cast aside. A leper had to ring a bell and tell you when he was even getting close to you. But here this woman was in the same condition, ceremonially unclean, depleting, lost her energy. Uh, there's no question in my mind she spiraled into depression. This is the normal way of things with people. When you have disappointment after disappointment after disappointment over 12 long years, social ostracism, a weakened countenance and a weakened constitution, no question she spiraled into depression and into a sense of hopelessness. Um, what is my life all about anymore? What am I going to do? All I exist for is this sickness and it's taking my life away. She had an issue. I want everybody to say with me, she had an issue. It's a major issue, major problem. Now, in life, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. We all deal with hassles. We all deal with problems. We all deal with distractions. We all deal with frustrations. It's a part of life. How many of you have dealt with a hassle or a frustration today? How about this week? How about since you were saved? I want to know that you didn't get put in some bubble when you got saved. No. We deal with life like anybody else. But what we do have is we have a leverage others don't have. I can't imagine living without the Holy Ghost. I cannot imagine living without the strength of the Holy Spirit. How many times a day does he comfort me, speak to me, strengthen me, give me hope? He's a quickening, life-giving spirit. So we have that edge we have that leverage. This woman didn't have a post-Pentecost life. She knew nothing. But here, we go through all these common problems. We go through things like the hassles and the distractions, so on and so forth, on a daily basis. And we survive them, of course. But then there are things that become issues. Issues. And I'm going to tell you what an issue is. An issue is something you can't seem to fix. An issue is something that won't go away. It's something that in your normal strength and your normal ability and your normal way of working through problems, you apply your mind and you apply your willpower and you apply everything, summoning everything at your disposal. But, but when it's an issue like this woman had, it won't go away. An issue is different. An issue is stubborn. An issue is far more difficult than the normal run-of-the-mill stuff. And the Bible and the people Jesus dealt with, when you read about them, these were people that had issues. When Jesus dealt with people, it was so often people with issues. They were blind. They were crippled. They were possessed of devils. They were lepers. 
They were maimed. They were down and outers, up and outers. They were deaf. They were dumb. They had issues. Things they couldn't fix. You know, you know when you need God and the only thing that's going to solve it is God, then you know you got an issue. You know you've got an issue when if God doesn't come through, it ain't going to get fixed. It's bigger than you. It's stronger than you. Issues make you bleed, literally or figuratively. You can have a physical issue like this woman. You can have a mental, emotional issue. Something is in your mind and it bleeds you all the time. And because you're always emotionally tossed. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Because you're always emotionally tossed, always in turmoil, always dealing with whatever this issue is. It weakens you. It depletes you. It wears you down and wears you out. That's an issue. You can have a spiritual issue. Jesus dealt with people with spiritual issues all the time who had demonic issues in their spirit man. I want you to know, folks, that you are body, soul, and spirit. And I'm going to expand on this much more this Sunday. But I've been studying this a lot. And I'm going to tell you, people have problems or issues in three areas. Their body, their emotional life, or their spirit man. Your emotional life is your soul. Your spirit man is the inner essence of you. And Jesus dealt with all three. People who had issues in all three. When I look at our nation, I'm going to tell you, our nation is a nation infested with issues. Infested with issues. Anger issues. Philosophical issues. Lust issues. Confusion issues. Racial issues. And our nation's bleeding and it's hemorrhaging. And you know what? There's an answer for it. And his name is Jesus. Jesus heals people with an issue. It may be unseen, this issue that you deal with. Nobody may know about it but you. But I'm going to tell you something about an issue. You know you've got an issue because you deal with it all the time. If it's emotional, if it's spiritual, if it's physical, nobody needs to come, come and inform you. You've got an issue. But here's the deal about issues. You can keep them under cover for a while, but an issue is going to come out. An issue is going to find its way out. It always does because you can't deal with an issue forever alone. If it's an emotional issue, if it's a spiritual issue, it's going to find its way out. And I'm glad to announce to you today that Jesus Christ, he doesn't want to empower you to cover up the issue. He wants to empower you to be healed of the issue. That's what Jesus wants. Man, you can have marital issues. You can have single issues. You can have addiction issues. There's a million and one possibilities in the good old U.S. of A. But we're people with an issue. We need to be healed of issues. Issues take away your joy. They take the laughter out of the living, and they take the living out of life. That's what it did with this woman. 
They knock the wind out of your hope. They take the wind out of the sail of your faith. And let me tell you something now. The Bible is very, very clear that Jesus Christ came to step in to where we really live, and he wants to heal you deeply. He wants to walk into the things that are chewing you up and eating you alive. And I want to announce to you here tonight and by radio, he wants to heal you. He wants to heal that chronic marital issue. He wants to heal that chronic addiction that takes you down all the time. He wants to heal your depression. He wants to heal the stuff where you really live. Remember Naaman, the captain of the Syrian host, talked about in the Bible? He was celebrated, he was powerful, and he was successful. He'd be on the front cover of Time and Newsweek if he lived today. But the Bible says every day he got up, he got out of bed, and he tried to figure out how to cover up the fact that underneath all the success, he was a leper. David the psalmist, the sweet psalmist of Israel, king of Israel, got up every day and he tried to act like nothing was wrong. But deep down in the hidden chambers of his own soul, there was an issue eating away at him. He had committed adultery and he had murdered a man. And it took Naaman facing him and saying, you are the man. And the issue came up. And God had to heal him. Oh, this is so real, everybody. Abraham, the father of our faith, got up every day with an issue. For 25 years, God had said, I'm going to bless you and your descendants. And through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And Abraham yet got up every day and there was no child, no descendant. Finally, he cried out to God, how in the world are you going to bless me with all these things when you have given me no offspring he had an issue. He had an issue. I'm going to ask you tonight, have you got an issue? We're going to look at the woman with an issue. Have you got an issue, Christian friend? If you do, and you're a believer, you're a believer, that's normal. Getting saved did not immediately clean you out of every issue. Getting saved was just the beginning. Now the Lord, he's going to come knocking on the doors of the deep parts of your soul that have been padlocked so long. Those padlocks are rusty, and he's coming in. He's going to deal with you with relational issues, things where you have been locked up in your soul. Listen, the Lord's not going to leave an issue in your life that is hindering you and tormenting you and depleting you as an individual. He's not going to leave it there. Everybody say amen. That's good news. Amen. Your issue can be barrenness like it was Abraham's. There's something you've been believing God for and you're still barren. Or it can be a habit. It can be a physical ailment. It can be loneliness. It can be your issue. A chronic problem keeps bleeding you. Some long-term thing that you've never been able to work through. You didn't think you were going to hear this at church tonight, did you? I come to meddle. 
I done come to meddle. We're going to let the Word of God meddle with us tonight. Amen? And it's funny to me how people try to hide their issues in church. And boy, they do. You say, how are you doing? Oh, wonderful. Praise God. I'm God's blessed. I'm God's anointed. I'm God's overcomer. They go home. As soon as they're out the door, they're dealing with some issue that's chewing them up alive. It's funny how we try to cover up in church. We get all dressed up. We're all concerned about making a good impression. We're going to be dealing with this this Saturday morning, man. You get your hair just right and your makeup just right, your car washed and clean, carrying your big Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord this, hallelujah that. But you know when you walk out the door and you head home, there is an issue still. We got to get in the place in church, y'all. We're not only willing to admit to God we got an issue, but we need to admit to one another we got issues. Quiet in here tonight. Some of you are looking at me like, well, I'm so glad it's not me. And you got your halo way up here, polished. Let me tell you three quick things about your issue, and then I'm going to deal with it for a little bit tonight. You can't run from it because anywhere you run, when you get there, your issue got there with you. You can leave a, a, a church with an issue, go to another church with the issue, the issue's sitting there with you. You can leave one marriage, go to another, issue's sitting there with you. We got to get our issues healed. Healed. You're going to have to confront it. You're going to have to confront it because it's confronting you. The answer to your issue is the man named Jesus. He knows all about it. You know what I tell you? He never says. He never says, well, I'll be. You can't tell him anything he doesn't know. You think when you go to Jesus with your issue, he's going to go, no, and turn to Jesus and say, did you know that? He's like, no, I'm shocked. Gabriel, did you know that? We're all shocked here in heaven. We didn't know that. He knows all about your issue. He knows all about your issue. And he's wanting to zero in on it. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. When you got saved, your issues were targeted for destruction. Now I want you to look at how this happened. When she heard about Jesus... I want you to say the word with me, here, because we're talking, something happened here when this woman heard about Jesus. That's why you'll never walk in this church and not hear the name Jesus 300 times, because I'm not here to preach me or a church name or anything about this building or this church. We're here for one reason. We're going to declare the issue healer. His name is Jesus. Something happens when people hear about the real Jesus, the real Jesus. It says, on the day she heard about Jesus. Now, that tells me she heard about the right Jesus. Because if she had heard about the wrong Jesus, she'd have had no faith to be healed. But when she heard about the right Jesus, faith was ignited in her heart. Faith was ignited. Faith was ignited. She heard about 
Jesus. And she began to talk to herself. And she said this to herself, self, you have just heard the truth about this man named Jesus. Self, if you can just get near him, if you can just even touch the border of his garment, self, talk to yourself, you will be healed. It was the hearing of faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's why it's very important wherever you go to church that that church tells you about the real Jesus. Because whatever you hear about him, it's either going to ignite faith or not. I'm going to tell you, he was not some tiptoe through the tulips first century tiny Tim with long hair and pretty blue eyes, just saying neat poetic things. He was the healer of issues, marriage issues, addiction issues, depression issues, fear issues, worry issues, life issues. It matters what you hear about Jesus. What are you hearing about the Jesus you hear about? Those of you listening by radio, what kind of Jesus do you hear about? He doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't answer prayer anymore. Miracles disappeared with the first century. Is that what you're hearing? You better get out of there and go somewhere that's going to ignite your faith. I want you to say with me, Jesus was a healer. First thing he said about himself, first sermon he ever preached, he stood up and read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed and anointed me to reach out and preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's your interior life. Your interior life. He has sent me to heal the interior soul of people. Heal your memories. Heal those scars and oozing wounds in your soul where people hurt you, betrayed you, abused you, wronged you. I have been anointed to step into your soul and put you back together again. To announce freedom to the captives, that they're going to be released. And I've come to minister to the downtrodden, to bring blessings into your life. That's the whole reason I came. Now, I noticed something else about this woman. When she heard about Jesus, and this is what Mark records, and I love this. When she heard about Jesus and it ignited faith, it ignited a certain kind of faith. And I'm going to tell you what it is, desperate faith. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to exercise desperate faith. But I'm going to tell you, desperate faith doesn't worry about fancy prayers. Desperate faith doesn't care what people think about anything Desperate faith says, no matter what it takes, no matter how far I've got to drive, no matter if I've got to fast and pray, bind and loose, if I've got to crawl, if I've got to walk, if I've got to run, I'm not going to let him go till he blesses me. 
It is desperate faith. Desperate faith says, you're going to hear from me in the morning. You're going to hear from me again at noon. And I'm going to be talking to you again at night. Desperate faith says, Lord, I'm not going to be out of your face till I have got what I need. You've got to give me something or I'm going to die. There is no other place I can go. No other place to which I can turn. You are my only answer. It's got to be you. This woman said, I've been suffering 12 years. I've been hemorrhaging for 12 years. I'm watching my life ebb away. I'm not ready to die. And she said, here I go. There's a big crowd around him. I'm a nobody. I've been ostracized. I'm in poverty. I've lost all of my money. I don't care. My faith has been ignited and it is desperate faith. My child has got to believe. My body has got to be healed. This marriage has got to get touched. I'm pressing in and I'm pressing through. And I don't care what anybody thinks about my cries. I don't care what they think about how I look. I don't care. I've got to have a blessing from God. Desperate faith. Say it with me. Desperate faith. She sees this large crowd. She says, I'm coming through. I'm going to find a way through all those people. And she started pushing. And the Bible says she pressed through the obstacles not caring for ceremony, not caring about sophistication, pursuing him as he walked by her and passed her. She said, it may be this one shot. I may never get this chance again. I'm going to touch him as he's walking by. I may be dead tomorrow. This is my divine moment, my opportunity, my destiny. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And she pushed through. They said, woman, shut up. She didn't answer him. She just kept on pushing. I tell you what, I like seeing people like that come to church. I like seeing people like that come to church. I'm going to tell you, desperate faith is a powerful faith. And I believe in it. Here I come, Jesus. I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get your ear. I'm going to have a hearing with you. I'm not leaving until the hand of God has touched me and given me an answer, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a word of deliverance, a word of guidance. I don't care what it takes. I'm not leaving till I've got it. I've got to get to Jesus. I'm going to make a prediction to you. In the days to come, we're going to see people, lots of them, with desperate faith. Des I'm, I'm geared up for it. There's going to be Sunday mornings. They're going to come in here because of the way things are going to happen in our world and in our nation. Perplexity, Jesus predicted it. Perplexity and the rocking of nations. Jesus predicted it. And they're going to come in here and say, 
preacher, you better tell me something real. They're going to turn to you, Christian, you better tell me something real. They're going to come in here with one reason only, to grab hold of the anointing of God in the house. I got to have Jesus. You want to know what desperate faith sounds like? Hannah, when she was childless and being persecuted by Peninnah, prayed this, give me a child or I die. That's desperate faith. John Knox, the great Scottish preacher, prayed this way, give me Scotland or I die. If we can get to the place where we say to God, give me souls or I will die, we'll have people being born again all over this place. Desperate faith. Desperate faith. That's the problem with American Christianity. We've been so fat and happy and taken care of and blessed, exceeding abundantly above. We don't have a sense of desperation anymore, but we will. Because God loves us, we will. Desperate faith wraps itself in weeping prayer. And in the end of her sorrow emerges with the long-for prize. And all her tears are forgotten. Desperate faith. I see one last thing about this woman. And I didn't mean to preach instead of teach. But I got to tell you, this is a preaching message. I can't help it. I don't even have a good voice, but I'm going to preach anyway. Because this is a preaching message. It says she touched the hem of his garment, and you know what I found out about that? I dug into a little, just a little bit of commentary on that, and here's what I found. She was moving in knowledge of Scripture when she said, it's the garment that I've got to get to. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And I found that in Numbers 15, 38 and 39, if you want to look it up, don't go there now, but if you want to go look it up, in Numbers 15, 38 and 39, God commands the children of Israel to make fringes on the border of their garments to remind them of two things, that God has made provision for forgiveness of sin and healing of infirmity. And he says in Numbers 15, run a blue thread through it. And blue in the Bible always represents royalty. Now Jesus had on a garment and there was a fringe, of course, at the bottom of the garment, probably the blue thread running through. She said, there's royalty, there's the forgiver, and there's the healer. And if I can just touch what represents what he's about... I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. So faith was operating in knowledge, which it always should. Anything you believe for, you ought to have knowledge in the Word to back it up. Faith is not an irrational leap into the dark. Faith is a rational reach based on knowledge. So she said, blue thread, royalty, the healer and the forgiver, she grabbed it. And isn't it powerful that when she grabbed it, 
there was a tangible, physical release of healing virtue that shot out of his body and into hers. Mark, in another place in, in the book of Mark, says the presence of the Lord was there to heal. Well, how do you know that? Well, the presence of the Lord can be in a place to save. It can be in a place to encourage. But there is also a tangible manifestation of God's Holy Spirit that is to heal. And here Jesus was healing, walking. And she reached out through that crowd, probably on all fours, no doubt about it, crawling through, grabbed that thing. And it says, immediately. Everybody say with me, immediately. Immediately. That 12-year hemorrhaging stopped. And she said, I've been healed. Now, what's so powerful is Jesus was being touched by so many people, the touch of curiosity, being touched because everybody else was doing it. But there was the touch of faith. And the touch of faith was instantly recognized by him. He instantly knew this is not the touch of curiosity. This is not the touch of just following the crowd. This is not an accidental touch where everybody pressing in on him. This was somebody who knew that I could heal them because I felt the virtue go out of me and into them. Now, who was it? Here she stands. It was me. He said, woman, it was your faith that made you whole. Jesus knows when you look up in faith. He knows it. And you know what your faith does? It releases tangible power. Well, that's powerful stuff. Can we stand together tonight? I can't tell you how often people say to me, you know, I walk in the building, Pastor Jeff, and I'll catch myself weeping before church even starts. And I say, you, you really hate the building that much? <laughs> no, and they say, I didn't know why I was weeping until later in the service. I knew that God was touching my heart. See, I, I want the greatest visitor we have to be the Holy Spirit. Because when he's here, it's a tangible presence. I don't want him grieved. I don't want him vexed. I don't want him chased off. Because the Holy Spirit is Jesus in spirit form. That's the way he visits. And you know what I want every time we meet? I want him walking up and down among the aisles. I want him touching people. I want that power released. I just want to come in here as a servant and say, Whatever you're doing, Lord, that's what we want to do. And if you're not doing it, we don't want to do it. And we begin to see people change. I'm predicting to you that we're going to see people coming in here with desperate faith. And they are going to get a hold of God right in front of our eyes. And it's going to be exciting times. But we need to pray with desperate faith. Have you prayed 
with desperate faith in a while? If not, ask God to give it to you. Desperate faith comes away with an answer. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight that this woman with an issue is a picture of people that have issues, that bleed them and deplete them. But Father, we thank you that you came to step into our dilemma with an answer. We pray, Lord, as a church body. Can I get you to take the hand of the person next to you? Just reach across the aisle. And let's do this now. And I want to pray this for Matt and Angie and the singles. I want to pray this for Steve with worship. I want to pray this for the youth back there, for Pastor Ray and the children. I believe that God has put us like a city on a hill. The time is short. I want us to pray that God heals people with issues, that we see deliverance in every department, deliverances in our services, salvations. Can you just go ahead and take a minute and pray and pray, say, God, move in this place. Visit this house in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Take a minute and just say, Lord. With the issue of blood, we press in. Yes, Lord. We press in.